Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. And it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. I'm Matt Kirk, the new second edition creative manager. How do people know you on message boards? Uh, Captain M.D. Kirk. All right, Matt. Well, I think this is, you've been on the podcast before, but never as a member of the continuing committee. Uh, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit of your history with Star Trek CCG and uh, what, and we'll get into why you decided to come back in this position. So. Um, well, started in 97 with uh, First Contact and First Edition, and I'm talking really softly. Okay. Uh, started in 1997 with first edition, uh, first contact, and did the tournament scene there for a while. Eventually became a tournament director, and then ambassador, uh, and then the agent number 91, I think, and then uh, supported uh, f- first edition until second edition came out in 2002, and then started doing a little. Um, we, we get, the San Diego group got into uh, the playtest pool, and uh, so we did that for a little while with Cipher. I was working with uh, Gerard when he was there for um, Strange New Worlds, Captain's Log, Genesis, all that fun stuff. And then in 2007, uh, when the, when all seemed to be lost, we uh, we kind of pulled the volunteers together and. I was one of the, the founding members for the continuing committee and uh, stepped away from that for a couple of years, um, but I'm happy to be coming back in this particular role. It suits a lot of my strengths pretty well, I think, um, and not a whole lot of responsibility, so that's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you were one of the founding members of the continuing committee. You are our first director of organized play. You did a good job, and you stepped away for for personal reasons. Uh, what made you want to come back in an official capacity now, and what particularly uh, was appealing about the role of the creative manager? Well, when it was posted originally, I I I didn't really have a I, I won't say I didn't have interest because I mean yeah sure I did, um, but. There was a lack. There was certainly a lack of, uh, yeah, I guess, self confidence. I mean, you know, I'd I'd been doing the responsibilities of the of the creative manager kind of informally ever since. Um, you know, we I helped out. You know, back in Strange New Worlds. You know, just kind of cleaning up, proofreading lore, and suggesting new things, and saying, "Oh, wait a minute, we've got a duplicate. You've already used this lore. How about this instead?" So I was not unfamiliar to the 
the whole process. Um, so when this became, you know, a realm of responsibility that was going to have its own designation and responsibilities for continuing committee, I said, well, all right. I mean, that that was one of the things that I really enjoyed doing and, and getting right. And that's one of those things. Where, it's one of the aspects of the card game that you can afford to be a little pickier on because you want just the right story. You want just the right um, grammar for the for the lore. Um, you know, colons, sub, semicolons, commas, ellipses, they all have to go in the right place, especially if you're trying to emphasize, you know, one of the 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 the, uh, the significance of the line. For instance, um, on TOS Smiley, or T TOS Miles O'Brien, um, engineering staffer, I think is the subtitle. I really, when that when we were working on that one in um, Captain's Log. No, these, these, these are the voyages. When we were working on that one in These are the Voyages, I really, 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 really wanted him to have that lore, and I wanted it to be you know, I wanted it to sound, I wanted it to look like it sounded in the episode. So I, I sent, I think it was Brad at that point, and I sent him, this is what it needs to be. This is where the, you know, the pauses where he was saying his things. You need a little, you need a, a dash here because he got interrupted. And then he, you know, it, it's a great scene because he's, it's O'Brien, you know, completely out of his element and then trying to, you know, BS his way past the original series engineer. And it, it was a great, I love that scene. It's a great line. Um, actually, I had that sound file as a uh, as a shutdown sound for my computer probably seven years ago or so. I was working, um, and that was the that was the last thing I heard every day. So it was, I, I have special love for that one line. But that's just an example of the type of precision that you can afford to have um, when you're getting the story right like that i mean gameplay effects there's there's a little bit of leeway i mean certainly there's conventions to pay attention to but there's definitely more than one way to skin a cat getting a line right and making it look like making it so that if somebody sits down and reads it even if they can't remember where they saw that image before they read the line they hear the actor's voice and they say oh that's from this part of the episode. So that that's really I, what my main uh, objective as the creative manager is: is to be able to look at a card, look at the look at the lore, look at the subtitle, and really be able to identify that's where we're that's that's the angle from the card. That's what the the gameplay is supposed to reflect. What happens in the episode? And well, the thing is there that's interesting is remember, second edition is always about good gameplay first over track sense in yeah. terms of designing the actual card mechanics. The creative part though is, is where you can really compensate. You know, you, you can take a mechanic, you can take a card that doesn't necessarily have the most perfect track sense and massage it with the, the lore or the subtitle to get it so that it's much, much, much closer to what it was. And, and so you really have the freedom in terms of the title and the story and the lore and the art to an extent to, you know, 100% respect Trek sense. Whereas the designer has to respect the integrity of the game. You know, it, it, it might maybe, you know, one example we talked about earlier, you know, Tully and Soren has a subtitle renegade scientist. He doesn't have science. Well, right. 
maybe there are good gameplay reasons why he doesn't have science. Right. But then again, he zero... shouldn't have that subtitle. So well, that, he... that was a, a mistake, perhaps. Because but... he's a really good zero-cost personnel with five skills, and he didn't really need a sixth. But, you know, I mean, <clears throat> sure, coming up with a different subtitle probably would have been a better idea if he wasn't going to actually have science as a skill. So let's talk a little bit about what the creative manager is going to do. Um, you, you came in much later on, on Project Rizzy. Uh, I don't know if we've revealed the name by the time this is going to go up or not. So to be safe, we're not going to call it what it's called. So if you're listening to this and we've, <laughs> we've announced what it's called, it's going to sound dumb that we're calling it Project Rizzy. But to <laughs> just replace Project Rizzy with whatever we're calling it. And yes, we know. We're just not telling. Can I say how many letters in the title? No, you can't say how many letters in the title. Uh, you came in very late in Project Rizzy where a lot of creative work had already been done. Uh, so in this particular case, when we talk about some specifics, you, you maybe didn't have the type of decision-making that you would normally have to make or, or the, the full big picture. But let's talk theoretically. You, you, you as the creative manager have a lot of uh, sh people to talk to to do your job because you have to talk to design because you know it's not it's not common that story drives a card design but it does happen so you need to know what kind of design was thinking um you have to talk to art because you need to know what images are available and what art's thinking when they get to a specific card uh well i mean those are the big two but it's it's not just you know here's a file go do what you want you have to work with other people but I think the idea here is that you're going to come in, I'd say, 75, 60 to 75% of the way through testing, through development. You're going to get a bunch of cards. Some, you know, personnel and ships tend to have the right titles on them just for, you know, uniqueness purposes. But dilemmas, events, that kind of stuff doesn't usually have it. What, what are you going to look for when you get that file in terms of, how to start putting story on these cards and, and what are you going to be asking art for and what type of questions are you going to ask the designers? How are you going to do your job? Well, the first angle of attack is always asking design, you know, what is your, what's the focus for this set? So for instance, Project Rizzi has been... Pro yeah, Project Rizzi is all about, about ships. ships. Right. So mm -hmm. that was the first question. It was like, okay, what types of things are we going to have on this card? Charlie says, we're going to have all ship stuff. And I said, oh, well, that's important to know because I looked at several of these cards and thought of really great story ideas, but they didn't have really much to do with ships. So I had to go back and, you know, reformulate, say, okay, well, we're going to need as many of these cards in space as we can. So um, it was a lot of thinking about what, uh, what episodes had, you know, pe people out in space on their own sometimes, which ones were, you know, the big group ships, obviously, TNG and Voyager have a lot more ship uh, images to deal with because, you know, they were out on their own, whereas DS9 is just, you know, on the station. So I think definitely from this set, you've got a lot more pulled from, from Next Gen and, uh, and DS9 as far as the, the verbs go. I mean, the nouns, can't really do a whole lot with the nouns because there's specific ideas where, you know, the, the, the designers are thinking of, I want the... I want the Benjamin Sisko 
from the end of Deep Space Nine when he is the avenging angel going to kill going to kill Dukat as the Powerwraith puppet. Well, okay, there, that's, there's pretty much only one subtitle that you're going to be able to put on that card, and it's going to be called Avenging Angel, because that's what Dukat calls him when he comes in. So, you know... The, so, well, there's going to be places like that. Right. You know, you're, if, if we choose to make, for example, Aquia Lunari, right, you don't have a lot of work, you don't have a lot to work with with her. She's in one episode, she's not that important of a character... You're still going to get. I mean, you have some choices for subtitles and lore there, but like you said, even 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 a bigger character like that particular Cisco, it's it's narrow. But another thing I wanted to mention, you know, Rizzy was sort of an exception, like the side of Paradise, where we we sat down at the beginning and said we're going to do something over like arching on all the cards. In this side of Paradise, it was females on every card, and in Rizzy, it was everything has to do with ships. And I think out of fifty four cards, there's only not counting the personnel, there's only four that don't have a ship on it. Well, even if it was going to be for something like Raise the Stakes, where the theme was Go Big or Go Home, I would be looking and trying to think about specific instances in Trek where they're talking about something, you know, either physically large or some big picture thing, or, you know, where they're talking about, you know, small versus... I would, I would be looking for that type of stuff, just, you know, as a thematic tie-in to what what the what the set was you know attempting to, to do so so let's let's t- let's actually let's pick a card that is in project Rizzy and we will spoil the whole card at the end of the show here okay but l- let's talk about the journey that this card went on uh when you when you come into the file the card basically a one one or two cost event that says something along the lines of if your captain is on your ship out in space you can take four personnel and or ship cards out of your discard pile and put them on the bottom of your deck it's sort of a retouched version of salvaging the wreckage you know you can recover some cards but it has to do with having your captain on your ship uh you see a card like that now, now again, you've come in late, very late in the process. So normally, you would see that card, you would come up with something, and then you'd go to the art guys and say, this is what we're looking for. Well, because you had come in late, which again isn't Matt's fault, uh, some of the art stuff had already happened. So I had given these cards to the art team to look for images for, but we didn't have those images back yet. Matt was looking at the cards, not knowing that Art was out there going to pick some image. So that's sort of the context for which Matt came in. So you see this card. Tell us, tell us what your thought process is. Well, I think the the playtest titles were still on the cards, and the title for this one, if I remember correctly, was The Captain's Cut. And that kind of raised a question in my mind, like, well, okay. So it's talking about something that the that's that's a special privilege that the captain has and then you know there's the phrase thrown around a couple times you know captain's prerogative where you know they get to bend the rules just because you know it's their it's their ship and that's all they're going to say about it um so something like kirk having romulan ale or something along those lines or picard getting to drive the argo in nemesis yeah Um, you know stuff like that but the 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 one scene that i thought of I had to go 
looking for it because I didn't remember exactly what episode it was from. It was um, from the Icarus Factor in season two, where and there was there was a great image that that was going to go with it was um, when Picard is telling Riker he's not making up his mind for him, but Riker's going back and forth. Should I leave the Enterprise? Should I take this new assignment? And Picard kind of he pulls him in uh, secretively and puts his puts his finger up to his lips and like like you know he's trying to get him to be quiet and he says there really is no substitute for holding the reins and that's and you know that made sense for what the the card was trying to do you know it was like something special that only the captain gets to do he gets to you know go through and and get the stuff back out of the discard pile so for me that that felt like a good fit but then I saw what Art was doing and had it explained. Well, well, so so what I had sent to Johnny then and his team. Usually, what happens is is up up until this point, Brad or myself or whomever would send Art a list of here's kind of what we're thinking. Here's a list of all the characters. Here's a list of all the ships, and here's some stuff that you can send your guys looking for images for. Usually, it's fairly vague. It's something like. Uh, three or four people overcoming an obstacle on a planet or uh, some sort of spatial anomaly. In this case, what I had sent, because the, the playtest name was The Captain's Cut, and somebody remind me after this whole expansion comes out why that was what, what it was called. Uh, so I had sent to Johnny uh, a captain making a business deal. Was was what I, you know was the, the impetus behind it. So he takes that. He sends it to his volunteers, the art team who do great work, and they go pulling images from their DVDs or whatnot and send it back in. Well, Matt had come in making that suggestion, and then shortly after Matt has gone through our database and put suggestions on all the cards, we get a proof version of the file back from art that has images in it. And the image that Johnny had picked was from Star Trek III. Star Trek III it was the merchant ship that made the business deal with Crude that sold him the Genesis data and had the his girlfriend on it. Right. And the captain's grousing and grumbling about wanting to get paid for the data. Right. Well, that that image was very striking. It was a high quality image, but it didn't it didn't match up to what Matt had put on his card. And there was nothing wrong with what you would put on there. That would have been an excellent shot. It's it. At this point, though, some the project manager, which happens to be me, has to be, okay, so we have a conflict now between creative and art. Which one changing is going to be the, which one is going to be easiest to change to keep us on our task? Making the art guys go back and hunt for more images or asking Matt to adapt what he wanted to the image? And Matt was willing to do that because I think you like the image as well. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly married to the whole you know captain's prerogative i mean yeah it would have been cool i mean i and i kind of filed that in the back of my mind like you know if something fits that type of story i, I might want to use that at, at some point but yeah I mean, the the image was really great and uh you know it's just kind of this you know i was about to say that but that, that's <laughs> not that's not podcast legal so um <laughs> he, he was you know just kind of this you know, goofball freighter captain guy who's who's uh, you know kind of giving her a ride and you know he's 
grumbling about how your people were reliable and da 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 and then you get to see the Klingon ship uncloak for the well for well, the Klingons for the first time because up to that point it had just been the Romulans and then finally you know in the movie the Klingons get to do it and it's like oh wow this is pretty awesome so yeah it's it's a it's kind of a it is definitely not the first thing I would have thought of but I think it I think it fits pretty well and so the title that I came back with was yeah what's the title okay, the, 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 Sorry, I'm walking on eggshells. Egg no, no, it's good. A gun pointed to my head right now. Or, excuse me, a phaser pointed to my head. Um, the title that we came back with was Executive Commission. You know, the executive of the ship is getting a commission from the thing. I mean, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a play on words because commission can mean a few different things. You know, you commission a ship to be built or whatever. Um, but in this case, it's the commission for doing the job, the, the extra cut that you get so it was kind of a reference back to the original playtest title the captain's cut well the executive commission so that's that's how it ended up so we'll get to the spoiler in just a second but in a normal in our next process you're going to get these cards and so you'll be the one generating the list of what to go hunt for to the art team so rather than rather than say you know you might have said you might instead of saying a captain doing a business deal you might have read that and said a captain doing something, you know, the cap, an image representing the captain's prerogative. And you could have suggested, the, the thing is here, there's a lot of give and take in this. It's not, nobody orders anybody really what to do. So I don't go to Johnny and say, do this. It's, here's what I'm looking for. You know, come up with something and wow me. And he almost always does. So rather than Matt having to bend to art, it's going to be, you know, Matt and his team will see the cards. Matt and his team will be generating a list of, categories of images for the team to our team to look for and then reacting to what they come out with so uh and i would only really kind of um put an addendum on there like sometimes design has a really specific idea for a card and so there's a very specific time frame that that has to come from so i would i mean in this particular instance yeah something clicked in my head that's like oh that would be a great image on a card picard kind of doing the hush hush thing and so, you know, whether or not Johnny had come back with the same thing, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he would have, I mean, he, he usually comes up with, with much better stuff, but that was w one in particular that it, it came to me, the, the, the whole thing all at once. But, you know, usually it's just thinking of the moment, not, you know, I want frame 562 from episode, da -da -da -da, you know, I don't usually get that specific. Yeah, it, it, again, it's, it's about categories of images. So... We promised you a spoiler. We've sort of talked the card up, but let's go ahead and, and spoil the card. This is, as Matt said, the card is called... Executive Commission. It is 24V14. For those of you paying attention at home, it is a one-cost event. Non-unique. Non-unique. The, the image is, as we described, it's sort of the the captain and the pilot of the merchant ship with the, the Klingon lady... Valkyris. Valkyris looming over them. You know, I never really noticed this until just now. Valkyrie kind of looks like, if you remember the second Aliens movie, where they at the end they had the human alien hybrid thing with the skull and stuff. That kind of she kind of reminds me of that. The just the the way that they have her. I mean, that was really the first. Well, I shouldn't say that it was the first time because the first time we saw the Klingons with the head ridges was the first motion the motion picture. picture yeah, but this was the first time we saw a female with the head ridges, and it yeah. was it was just really straight anyway so the text is to play this event you must command a ship 
at a non-headquarters mission with its corresponding commander aboard. So that's sort of the the two illegalese way of saying your captain out in space. That's the setup. So to play this event, you must command a ship in a non-headquarters mission with its corresponding commander aboard. Take up to four cards that are personnel or ships from your discard pile and place them on the bottom of your deck. Remove this event from the game. Now that, that game tech is pretty much just a straight carbon copy off of salvaging the record. It, right? It's been updated to modern wording. Right. With, with, you know, we worked very closely with rules. I'll, someday I'll have a podcast talking about our new shiny toys that we have and, and procedures that make design so much easier. Uh, but yeah, it, it's basically an updated wording of salvaging the wreckage. Instead of costing three, it costs one, but you have an extra to play restriction on it. And you have to remove from the game. And well, all, so, so generally all the retrieval cards removed right. from the game. Right. Uh, so what's the lore? What lore did you put on this? Well, he's only got like maybe five lines that he actually says. Um, so going with the you know him getting his fair share, it's what the hell's going on? When do I get paid off? Because that's the Pretty much his last line that he gets to say. And then her response is, you know, soon, Captain, quite soon. And then the dramatic music comes in and the Kelpo turns around and blows them all up. So Yeah. So it's a good card. We'll we'll post the text of the spoiler in the, the show notes, but uh there you go. That's you, you know, I don't, it, at this point it's probably only the second or maybe the third spoiler that's out there from uh uh this expansion that I almost just named in <laughs> Project Rizzy. So let's let's go up briefly and talk about another card that we spoiled earlier. It's Galileo Grounded, uh, which it's it's on this the podcast thread. It's from last week when I didn't put up an episode again. This was another one that you didn't you didn't do a lot of work on because it was sort of done before you came in. I didn't do any work on this. One. <laughs> I I kind of grumbled at the title because. For my for my aesthetic, having a proper name as a title of a card that's not a noun kind of kind of grates, unless it's specifically talking about uh, an episode like, title or, or or something like that. I mean, where it's talking. I mean, because dilemmas are supposed to be generic. They're supposed to be something that can happen to any affiliation, and so having something that's very specifically original series and, and having the, the the shuttlecraft named on this it, it kind of graded a little bit but it, it was a great image that got picked and it fit so this is one of those ones that where you know like charlie was saying i didn't have a whole lot of input on it but you know seeing it was like well, okay i guess we can go with that well here's the interesting thing this card was one of the uh, this card was one of the cards that was on the creative manager application mm. Uh, where we asked you to pitch a story for this card. And I, I'm i going to look it up because I don't remember, and I closed the file because I'm a bad podcaster. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember even... Let's, let's go look up and see what you see. Now, the, the, here's the thing. We, the, the, we were talking about this in the chat room earlier, but um, people didn't know... Um... People did not know that this was the ship. This was a card going to be in a ship set. So very nobody really suggested... Anything that had to do with a ship. Right. Uh, there were a lot of reasonable suggestions. You know, somebody suggested... Uh, uh, actually, the original story that we had in mind for this was uh, the episode where 
Kirk gets split in half, and the the weight team's stuck down on the, the planet that right. goes to like 100 below zero at night. Right, right, and they're using the phasers to heat the rocks. Yeah, so up. that didn't have anything. It ended up not having anything to do with ships. Right. And when we decided we're going to try to put a ship on every set, and Johnny came back with the amazing image that he did, we went with a different story. But what was the story that you pitched? Well, apparently, because uh, I had forgotten all about this. Um, the uh, can I go back and see the actual game tags? Yeah, that was, yeah, sure. That was important. So the story was, unless you have or the story, the game text was, unless you have a medical, security, and transporters, or a staff ship, all your personnel are stopped. So to me, I started thinking, okay, we're aboard a ship. Some medical thing is going on with the transporters, and when the people get when the trans, you know, you need the medical people to work with the transporter people because there's something screwy going on. And then when the transporter guy is done, the security guy has to come in and make sure that nobody's gonna, you know, blow, blow up, blow up the transporter room. So I started thinking about, okay, what what episodes can I think of where they had to put up the force field in the transporter room because something was going to happen? And the first one that came to my mind was. Um, um, Realm of Fear. Realm of I Fear. Think. Yeah, Realm of Fear, which is uh, where the whole Barkley transporter phobia uh, thing. You know, where he really starts being a hypochondriac. That was kind of a new character thing that they that they did for him in that episode. Because before he was, you know, the holog- the hollow program addict, and then he was. The I think that was after the where he turned into a spider too. No, that was before. Oh, it was before he turned into a spider. Okay. That was season seven. That was uh, Genesis. Okay. So, so any, anyway, you went with the bugs in the transporter. I went with the bugs in the transporter and, and thinking of, um, you know, when he's, because, you know, at, at that point you had O'Brien working the transporters. You had Crusher in there doing her thing with the biofilters. You had Worf in there just in case they needed to, you know, well, act, actually, Worf came in afterwards at when he, when they beamed, when he grabbed onto the bug. They rematerialized him as a new person. Then Worf and all his cronies got up in the transporters and saved the rest of the people. So I was thinking, okay, medical security transporters, there you go. So in, in this case, you literally found a story that exactly matched the skills that were required for the dilemma. Right. And that's that's really hard to do. Yeah. So and having a and having a staff ship in a mission, I was like, okay, well, I guess that would be a close facsimile to what, what you would need for that particular situation. So the story I came up with was uh, it was matter some matter energy transfer. I don't remember. Yeah, matter energy infection. Right, right. Yeah, I was I was trying to come up with something because the it was a very techno babble heavy show. Talk. It was it was kind of a high concept that you know basically boiled down to these people got stuck in the transporter beam and Barkley was the only one who saw them. So it was kind of the whole you know. Terror at twenty thousand feet. I see the thing on the wing, and nobody believes me. So. Some thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was it was that type of uh, episode. So just trying to think of, you know, I didn't want to go back to you know transporter phobia because that's not really what the aim of the card was. Um, so just trying to think of what was what would be some kind of malady that would have to be fixed by a transporter and thinking well okay deals with matter and energy sure matter energy infection sure let's go with that you know what another good one would have been Hmm. the uh the aging virus colony 
with Pulaski where she got ah. where the, the kids got old and you yeah, need yeah. security I, to enforce hyper, the quarantine. Hyper aging. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that that I just that just now occurred to me. And if it hadn't been a ship set, we we probably wouldn't. I will say, if it hadn't been a set all about ships, I don't think the story that went on that card in the expand that on the final card probably would have gone on the card. Right. And that's the really nice thing about this is one of the questions on the application was pick a card with a story you don't like and redo it. And, and every single person picked a different answer. Not that, not that there are a lot of poorly storied cards out there, but there are a lot of options for a lot of the different cards out here. So real quick, let's, let's go over some of the, the questions on your application and, and you don't have to quote what you said, but I just want to know. I'll probably you know, answer them differently anyway. That's probably true. So what, what elements go into a card to make a good story. Well, so what elements go together to make a good story on a card? Obviously, just title, subtitle, lore, but how do they all tie together? Well, I mean, the 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 the, the main thrust of the card is always going to be the game text. That's that's what it, that's what the function of the card is. It's it's a it's a new component for the game. So, to some extent, depending on how depending on how, well, to use a fourth edition term for, uh, for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, crunch versus fluff, where crunch is a strong mechanic and fluff is a very um, story-driven aspect of a card. If, the, if a card is more crunchy than it is fluffy, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do for it as far as the story goes. But for, for me, the strongest cards have game text that, you know exactly where it's coming from because of the game text and you can come up with a strong image that's going to go with it and and there's a specific moment that there's a there's either there's either a line or somebody says it's a blank or you're a blank so for instance um Duras, the, the, the Duras from the first set, his subtitle is Son of a Traitor, because Worf very deliberately says, you are the son of a traitor. That was his subtitle. That's, that makes perfect sense to me. So I think the strongest cards are the ones that especially can draw directly from the script, um, from especially, this This is the other thing, I really, I really enjoy getting to write those little three-line bits of lore that just are just kind of made up. I'm not looking to do that. But when I when I kind of have to, that I really I really enjoy doing that. But that's if at all possible, I would prefer to have a direct quote or um for instance, there was a title from uh Undiscovered Country when we first started doing it that the title of the card came from the DVD extra uh, on Star Trek VI called The Perils of Peacemaking. There's a, there's an extra on the DVD. And so we didn't really have a great word or great title for the card. And I was like, that, that, that works okay. That, that's pretty good. And, it, and we came back with it and I was like, where'd you get that from? And I explained and I said, oh, all right. So that kind of drove the, the lore process. And that was another one of those where kind of had to frame the, 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 the purpose of the, the title with the lore. So that wasn't probably the strongest card, but at least it had a little bit of basis in, you know, what had already been produced um, and tied back into, you know, the canon uh, Star Trek product. So, the, the, like I said, the strongest cards are going to have very 
specific moments that they try and capture with the game text, with the with the lore that you pick for it. Um, the image. The image. So, I mean, Locutus, Voice of the Board. That's, that is one of the best cards that I can think of because it captures everything about it. It's got the perfect name. It's got the perfect lore. And... It's the it's it's the image. It's him looking into the Enterprise with the little red laser beam on it, and it's it's one of those iconic cards that you wish more cards were like that. But there's only there's only so much material that really lends itself that well. Um, so what on the opposite side of the coin? What causes a mismatch between the creative side of a card and the game tech side of a card? Well, I think. Sometimes design has a very specific idea in their head that when they sit down and they write a card, they only think sometimes, I mean, not a lot of times, but sometimes they only think about one side of a story. And they'll want to portray a card from that one side of the story. And when the lore comes around, there's either not a real good there's either not a direct quote that you can use for that particular side. This especially is true when you're dealing with the, the villain races like, you know, Ferengi and Romulans, where they're not the main characters of the show. They're not the ones saying the lines. So usually you have to come up with some made-up stuff that, that, that fills in the blanks as far as that goes. Whereas if you turned it around and looked at it from the hero's perspective, well, now all of a sudden you have all this dialogue that you can pull from saying they're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And maybe you flip it around. Like, for instance, if it was a mission, you flip it around and give it alternate requirements that say, da, 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 you know, here's, here's what the villains are trying to do and here's how the heroes are trying to stop. So um, there, there can be... Oh, surprise, I mean, oh, yeah. Um, there can also be kind of misfires on, on high-concept cards sometimes. Um, cards that are meant to police uh, certain actions in the game, like Timescape. There wasn't really... I mean, Timescape was pretty pretty good for the, for the, for the, for the high concept that they had of you can't try a mission again. The concept that they came up with of the two ships frozen in time because they got, you know, hosed by the the explosions interacting and the space aliens and all that, um, you know, while it wasn't a direct representation of what happened in the show, it was pretty, pretty good for that type of high level conceptual card. Um, and that's more, it's going to happen more on verbs than it is on nouns. So, um, for instance, there, um, one, one of the kind of misfires that it's a great card and it's a great image, but, for me, it was just kind of like, well, okay, I guess. Um, was surprise amity from um, Undisco Country. Under, from undiscovered country? It's one of those concept cards. Um, you're 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 hosing. You're, it's a police card. You're ho you're stopping your opponent after they've finished a mission if they have more points than you. So, for me, it didn't really connect back to the story of. Kirk and McCoy getting arrested, or not getting not getting arrested, but getting sentenced um, after they were because they they hadn't really finished the mission. They were captured, and 
you know, we're you're, we're getting the setup for the whole story of Star Trek VI, uh, with you know, with their, them being framed, and then the Enterprise has to go and rescue them. And so, for me, I would have liked to have seen something where um, maybe like Q had interfered somehow. I mean, without putting the Q keyword on there, or um, I think the thing I suggested where somebody like, is somebody is interfering with your mission attempt. Right. Or or like you think you are done and all of a sudden you're not. Um I, I get you. Yeah. So what what in what in your mind because one of the things the creative managers will be working on will be our alternate image promos. What types of cards make good promos? Um non aligned. <laughs> There's lots of non aligned promos because they go in any deck. Um verbs uh, non-affiliated relation n n verbs that don't call out for affiliation. So, how would you like a trip to Romulus or desperate uh, sacrifice? Desperate sacrifice. St uh, stuff that can go in any deck. Or difficult. The event that's going to be in the next set. Right. That's going to be a really good one because there's a in in design or not in design, but at least when we were putting the the, the images and story together, there were a couple different schools of thought on how we could go with that. And I really had one idea, and everybody else had one idea, and I said, I really, really want to see this picture on the card. And Johnny was very, very nice and went and found it for me, and I think it works really well, but you just have to wait and see for that one. Yeah, so but there are other factors to consider too, other than availability. Um, you you want you want to try to pick a promo, for, for release promos, you want to pick a promo that, that it's got shows off the problem. theme set too. Well, okay. Well, so then. when we do, for example, uh, what was what we just did when we did the set with damaged Starfleet in it, you pick Enterprise. Sure, it makes sense. When we do the all girl set, you pick Arandis because a, well, she is not a lion, but she's also uh, cute. Uh, and that's the other thing is you 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 need to pick cards that lend themselves to alternate images. Right. Uh, some of the some of the ships in in series seven. You know, it's kind of tough to find some AIs for some of these ships that are only in one episode and only in a couple shots. But when you or run blown in, up, or blown up in the first five minutes, but when you run into a uh, a card like, um, or even how would you like a trip to Romulus is really hard. But something like Desperate Sacrifice, there are a multitude of options where you could go for story. At, you know, what, at what cost is the same one? Yeah, I like it when, especially in first edition. But I really like it when a promo. Is a completely different story. Now it's you get cool stuff like Johnny did a great job when he put the AI of Timescape and the AI of How Would You Like a Trip to Romulus together because he mirrored them, mm -hmm. right? The original Timescape is you know the from Enterprise. up and behind the Enterprise and shows the Romulan ship far away, and then the second Timescape is the exact Romulan, opposite. Right. And How Would You Like a Trip to Romulus originally shows Picard, you know, Picard looking, at, looking Janeway. at Janeway, and then the new one is Janeway looking at Picard. Right. So it's it's cool like that when you can do, but you know, the availability of an alternate image is a big factor. Oh, and absolutely. The, the final factor is uh, the the availability of the card itself. Right. You know, because, I mean, it doesn't really do a lot of good to... Reprint a virtual card. Re well, I mean, we've done that, and we probably will do that again when sure. there's a, a need for it. But, you know, it's much more useful if we reprint stuff from Fractured Time and Necessary Evil that people can't get, a, can't get a hold of. Right. So... Lot of lot of factors that go into promos, some creative and some not so creative. Sure, but as the uh, just you know, you're asking me as the creative manager, what makes a good promo? In Absolutely. My mind? You so. know, from my angle, yeah, it's all of those are important, but you know, for me, the priority is 
How many people are going to be able to stock it in a deck? Can you find a good secondary image for it? Was was it on screen long enough for that to happen? And or is there a different story that can fit in the same card title? But you know, you know, you also have to be careful with AI promos because we're burning up other story that exactly. can go on new card. Like my my favorite. My favorite AI in terms of a new story on an old card is Agonizing Encounter. Yeah. Because it's just amazingly funny. <laughs> I, I actually I actually finally I, I had the, the, the printout of the new one and I finally put it in a deck this just today actually. I just I just sleep it. I'm gonna use it for the for the tournament tomorrow. And the look on the the, the pilot. I know face it's exactly right. Is it's priceless. <laughs> He's just like, what the? Like really? <laughs> so and and I and I don't mind doing that. I mean, the odds of I mean, yeah, we could have used that image and stuff on another card, but it worked so perfectly for that yeah. that 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 game text and that title right. that it's okay. But you know, it, we do have to be mindful of. We try, you know, there is a tendency now to try not to alter the story so much that we can't use the original lore over because at least then we're only using, you know, if we make an AI of, of the Dalrock, you know, there's the, only one the odds that of, came from. Yeah, well, the odds of us making another card that needs another image of the Dalrock that isn't, say, Miles right. or the guy, not high. Right. Which is why... Which, but we can keep the same lore, because we might use another piece of quote from that dialogue right. on a Bajoran Miles O'Brien, or right. the, the the apprentice guy. Right. Which is why, for verbs, I like having generic rather than specific nouns and stuff, because then it gets you locked into the one episode, and that's all that you get to pull from, as opposed to if it was something more generic, well, okay, now the door's open, you can maybe find other stuff to go use that way. Yeah, that's a tough line to walk with, you know, star power versus being generically useful. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, I have one question from a chat room visitor. Oh. He wanted to know, uh, are you a fan of crossover titles, and are you going to use them in your work? And if so, from what other games will you be pulling? Now, let's define what a crossover title is. Well, if if I'm if I'm interpreting the question correctly, we're talking about stuff like uh, Pursuit Just Behind and um, what's another one? Battle Lust. Battle Lust. Yeah. Savagery to match their numbers. Stuff like that. A title. Specifically, Spe a title on a Star Trek card that comes from a different Decipher game. Right. Uh, now, this usually does not include 1E because we generally make a specific effort not to share titles across 1E and 2E, with some exceptions. Which was which was one of the aspects that I was unaware of when I first came in, because my first pass through Project Grizzly, I there there were a couple times where I used an old 1E title and then I got the word back. No, nope, can't do that. Well, why not? That's perfect. Well, well th there was a there was a dilemma that through all of playtesting carried the title of the 1E version. Right. Uh, in fact, it was it was written from day one to be the two E version of that card. And then I finally came in and said, "No, no, it should be this." And Charlie was fighting me tooth and nail. Well, yeah, he finally know, gave it up. Sometimes I think it's neat, neat to do you reuse the title, right. especially when something was written for that purpose. Right. But there was another. <laughs> there's a couple. There's definitely a couple of dilemmas in Project Rizzy that are direct throwbacks to their one E version. They they do. 
I think they do what they would have done if they had been written as two-e cards originally. You take the spirit of the original one-e card and translate it into two-e, and that's what these are. That neither of them have the original title on it. Yeah, the the, the one-e card title that there was a, I think it was an interrupt, that would have worked really well was I wanted to reuse uh, Magnetic North because the, the story was something like, a ship is kind of escaping detection, and you're trying to—it's trying to hide, and you have to have X, Y, and Z to find it. And I was like, "Well, okay, that makes sense." Because when Miles, when the uh, duplicate Miles was trying to figure out what was going on, and everybody was fighting against him, and he pilots his runabout over the planet and tries to lose him, and um, but you know, they—they they came back and said, "Nope, got, got to use something else." Because so- that was my first attempt at actually finding a ship. A, a ship card that was like, okay, I finally found one. Nope, can't use it. Well, that was one of the cases where we already had an image, right. and it was going to be tough to find an image that did what we wanted to do. Right. So specifically what we're talking about here is uh, titles that are titles of other cards in other games, usually Decipher games. And I will tell you, for your speculative card list makers, there are at least two crossover titles in Project Rizzy. One's a dilemma, and one's an event. So go have fun. Uh, I'm trying to remember which ones those are. Those must have had titles before. I came. No, you picked them. I, well, one you did, one you didn't. The the I'll, I'll tell you when we're off the show. <laughs> okay. But, so the question is: that was a while Are ago. you a fan of crossover titles? Absolutely. Are you planning on using them? Yes. And from what games will you be pulling? I, whenever I get to, whenever I can use an old uh, Star Wars title or Lord of the Rings title, I will be the first one to say that needs to be this oh, oh there i i know one one that i just I, I remembered one but i don't think i put that title on there i think i think brad did the dilemma no the event no the event was you didn't do the event no in fact you didn't catch it until somebody told you because yeah, you, you were no, you were looking for another one and then we said we already had one in there and you're right, like right. oh yeah so the, right 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 the loader one you you did out here all right just <laughs> He's freaking out because he doesn't know what I'm talking about. That one. Oh, well, that... Okay, well, I mean, that was... There was a very specific episode that that, was, that came from, and I thought, okay, there's got to be a Lord of the Rings title that's kind of like this because it was something that happened in one of the movies that was really similar. And so I was like, okay, they made a whole expansion about that one scene. So let's go see if we can find something. And so that, I didn't know the Lord of the Rings card. I just went and looked for the title. That dialogue was filled with clues, speculative card list members. Yeah. So listen to that. Go go back about 30 seconds and listen to that again. <laughs> so suffice it to say, you will be doing crossover yes. titles when and where it's appropriate. Especially from wars not star wars but wars especially i'm there's a lot of stuff in there i mean there's wars had a lot of really specific uh proper proper noun titles that obviously we're not going to be able to use but all the nouns and stuff in there i would really like to see a lot of those start coming back what was the name of the big fat guy with no leg the gambler gambler? we need to make that a star trek card uh, the the, uh the brad portmanteau yeah 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 yeah. all right so you, you're, you've been the creative manager for a couple weeks now. You've worked on Project Rizzy. You've done some work for us on the, the promos. You'll really be jumping and diving into our next expansion, number 25, which is going to be kind of fun. Uh, if people are interested in helping you out, 
uh, the first thing that they should do is go to our new volunteer resource center, which is at trekcc.org slash volunteer. And on that page, they'll see a description of all of the uh, jobs that we have currently open and what we're looking for. But singular volunteer. I think it's I think it's singular volunteer. Okay. As in I'm go, as in the verb. There okay. There may be there may be an S on the end of that. Just I'm pretty sure it's not. But okay. uh, it'll I'll link it in the show notes. So don't just go. go to the show notes and click the link. But anyway, um, how do they get a hold of you if they're interested? After they've gone and looked and seeing what you're looking for, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the best way is obviously the message boards. You know, just send me a private message, C A P T M D Kirk. Um, if that doesn't work for you, sometimes I'm in the chat room, um, so maybe you catch me in there and uh, you know throw a couple ideas my way. You know, we'll see what happens. But if you are looking to get a an official position on the creative design or the, the creative management team. Not the creative management, just the creative team. <laughs> creative development, that's what we're calling it. The creative development team. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is to, um, just by a private message on the, on the message boards. All right, well, Matt, thanks for uh, walking 15 feet in the house <laughs> to sit and talk with me for a little bit. Oh, uh, I know about that now. Yeah, I moved out to San Diego, and that's my roommate. So this, this is one of the few times that I actually have somebody in the same room with me, which is probably going to make the whole thing sound stupid. <laughs> ah, but. whatever. Uh, thanks for being a guest on the show. Yeah, uh, we look forward to seeing what you do on cards. Now so. you guys get to you get to hear me whenever he can't find another guest. So bug him <laughs> to find other guests because I don't, <laughs> I'm not the best guest. He doesn't want to do this again. Well, so. I don't want to don't want to do it again. It's just you know I I hate the sound of my own voice, and I'm sure everybody else kind of is tired of it too. So stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to get Matt's counterpart here, uh, David Runyon, on talk about. Uh, the one e side of things. Um, gonna try to get a couple other guests over the next week. I'm gonna try to get uh, Nava and Socks on to talk about Lackey, Lackey, which is awesome. Uh, I'm gonna try to get the guys who worked on Hollow Table on to talk about that, and uh, eventually I'll have uh, Keith Foreman Morris on, who was my AD for uh, Project Rizzy, and uh, he's dying to tell some stories about his first experiences as an assistant designer and, and uh, talk about some cards. So stay tuned in the next couple of weeks for some new episodes and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Do I detect a streak of yellow along the good fellow's back? <laughs> Perhaps we should supply a more appropriate adversary for him. Absolutely. Number one. Number one. Here I come. Am I late? Did I miss the fight? On guard! You, sir, you have a familiar bearing. Is it possible our swords have crossed somewhere before? Where is he? Where's Barkley? Ah, personal grudge. I warn you, it would be wise for you to put your affairs in final order before you meet him in combat. You challenge the greatest sword in all the holodeck. 